This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Junior Dome's The Spark. I'm Junior Dome, and thank you for joining us. My guest today is Dr. Itauma, Itauma, Associate Professor of Statistics and Business Analytics at Northwood University, Michigan. Welcome, Dr. Itauma. Tell me about business analytics. What actually does it try to do? Why do you do it? Well, um, business analytics focuses on developing new insights and understanding of business performances based on data and statistical methods. So basically, the goal is all about trying to help businesses learn how to drive insights from data to improve their performance and growth. Do you find like statistics, it's subject to data in, data out. In other words, the analytics, what you feed in terms of information there somewhat determines the outcome. If you fed, it made different choices in the entry of what you chose to analyze, you'd get a different outcome. Well, in, in every decision making, it all depends on the design and the problem that you're addressing. So basically when you understand the, pro the key problem you're addressing, then you are able to think about the statistical method methodologies to use in addressing those key problems. There was a, uh, a man um, a few decades ago who predicted that world would get, the world would get overpopulated. He scared earlier, he scared everybody. But then it turned out he didn't correct for people getting richer and not having so many children and this and that and that and this. So would you use this as a forward projection or would you have to ask different questions once you got the data you had? The trend in the world doesn't start with data. The trend in the world really starts with the existing problem that um, we are trying to investigate. We basically get and use data to really confirm a particular hypothesis or theory or claim that um, we, we, we um, are predicting. So the starting point always is about the key business question. What are we trying to address? Not about the data. So the data comes much later. I see. So it's important to know the right questions. Right. And, but does AI 
play a part in this in any way? Can you help it or do anything that would accelerate it or stop it? Well, these are all tools that we have all um, been able to formulate over time in order to help accelerate processes and make better decisions on time. So AI is, is definitely uh, helps in the whole um, process of trying to find your time answers on time. So when you were uh, learning in Nigeria, where you're from, how did they teach uh, K-12 or how did they teach, well, what was the expectation? That's a great question. And um, so in Nigeria, we, we run a six, a six, three, three, six uh, educational system. So we have six years of primary education. Then we have um, three years of um, what we call junior secondary school education and three years of senior secondary school education before we get into the university. Now, most in most schools, the curriculum, the curriculum differs from one school to the other. There are schools that, that uh, follow the British uh, curriculum. There are some schools that also follow the American curriculum as well. So um, there are private schools, there are public schools, and so on. So what did your parents decide for you, or do you have choice of that? Not you, the child, but you, the family, have a choice about where the child will go to school. Well, now decisions differ from one home to the other. Now, in my home, more or less, my parents um, decided that they would follow the child. Of course, they try to guide the child to place them in, in, in the place that they, they, they seems to be the best fit for them. So for me, in particular, I went to about three primary schools because my dad moved from one city to another based on his on where he was working. So I had the opportunity of interact of of engaging in different culture uh, from uh, or tribes from one city to the other. And as a child, it wasn't really important um, the particular school I went to because. If, um, as long as they had a strong curriculum that helps to guide a child to be better, I think that was more, much more, uh, my parents were contented with that. But there was an additional thing. It's not just about the school. You know, it's about also the extracurricular activities that a child is also engaged in. For example, um, music, singing, and so on. Things you do not just in the, in the school environment. So your parents decided on that, or is that was after school programs run by the school? I can't really say if my parents particularly decided on something, but I'm but I know that my parents decided to ensure that I had the best of education. So now right. it also led for the child to embrace the opportunity that is in front of them. So you went to school in Turkey for a while and it was on a scholarship? Yes. I wasn't aware that Nigeria and Turkey were so involved with each other. Absolutely. Um, so after my, my um, undergraduate, I studied electrical engineering at the University of Ilori in Nigeria. I was seeking opportunity of studying, doing my master's um, in a foreign country. And the federal government of Nigeria has a bilateral educational agreement scholarship, uh, which they which they, um, they, they give the students the opportunity of not just studying in Turkey, but in other countries where they have the bilateral educational agreement with. 
And so I had that opportunity of studying in Istanbul, Istanbul Technical University, where I did a master's in engineering. Yes. <laughs> so, and it was taught in Turkish or English? Um, the, so it was, so it was said to be 70% English, 30% Turkish, but I felt it was more of the reverse. And I must say that after my second year, I really was okay with 100% Turkish. <laughs> uh, how did you learn it? I don't know, is it that easy a language to learn? Well, it's, it's a beautiful language. Um, easy, I can't really say, but I, I would say it's a language that came natural to me because after my third year, my third month of being in, in Istanbul, sort of based on this agreement, what is done first is that the first year you go to a language school. So in my first year, I was in Ankara, which is the capital of Turkey, and I went to a, to a school called Tomer, where I had the opportunity of learning the Turkish language. So the goal is that we are being prepared before we get into college or to the university. That's wise. And did you, you stayed there quite a few years, didn't you? Yes, I did. And uh, did you want to stay? Well, I love, um, I'm always in Turkey more or less, even though I'm far away from Turkey, I always feel I'm, I'm there right now. Sometimes I think in Turkey, I, I speak fluent Turkish. I'm still engaged with the community right there, even virtually. So I wouldn't say I've actually left Turkey. <laughs> You know, I interviewed a writer a few years ago and who had lived in Italy and Alexandria and England and America. And he said he had the experience that he would be at a beach someplace, but then he'd remember the beach in some other country and he would want to be there. And it's, it's like he never left, just, just kind of what you're saying. And right. what happened after that when you, you finished your degree there? Other opportunities uh, came up. At that point, I moved on into the new stage of life. I got married in, um, just after I completed my, mas my master's. And at that time, my wife was doing her residency in Detroit, Michigan. And just at that time, I was planning on doing an MBA in Germany. <laughs> and then uh -huh. I decided, well, are we moving to Germany or should I take the adventure to explore the United States? Of course, now we all know that I, I took the, the second, I made a second choice by coming over to the United States to explore um, Detroit, Michigan, while my wife was doing her residency at that time. How did you two meet? Yeah, we, we have known each other since we were um, teenagers. So we, we've known each other since high school. Uh, we, we met in, in Lagos in Nigeria, <laughs> interestingly. Um, we actually met in a bus. So I was heading back from school uh, one, on one particular day. And usually when I'm in the, in, uh, the, in the public transportation, I love reading books. And in particular, I love reading books about Krishna, interestingly. And, and so I was on, and, and that, that was this particular day I was just reading and I noticed that someone was um, trying to see what I was reading, and I was like, okay. Um, I carried the book up was for, for how to read as well. <laughs> Darling. 
Because in, in, in most cases, people are just thrown off when they say, why is he reading about Krishna, you know? But she was um, interested, and I was like, okay, great. So we became friends. Uh, so we are basically childhood friends since then. Uh, was your arranged marriage, nonetheless, following custom of her well, tribe no. or your tribe? Oh, no. So we, there, there was no arranged marriage. So the, um, the goal to get married was basically our own decision, you know. And interestingly, we got engaged in, um, in, in one of our favorite spots in the world, which is Wumperberg in Austria. That was where we got oh. engaged. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and then um, at that time, my mom was still around, and um, so she was preparing for, we told her that we we're getting married at, um, the subsequent year, so we got engaged in December of 2011, and we were preparing for the wedding sometimes in, in uh, 2012. And so my mom was excited and getting everything ready, calling friends, etc. But um, she passed on uh, shortly before um, the wedding, and and oh. so we, we still we still honored the whole preparations that she had started, and we came to Nigeria to um, for to uh, to organize a, a great funeral for her, and wish her uh, well in her journey onwards as she moves on in in life, and then um, the next day after her after her, her funeral we. We actually had a court um, wedding in Nigeria before I returned back to Turkey and my wife returned back to the U.S. <laughs> oh, quite a story. So what yeah. actually happened in the wedding? Which, which customs did you follow? Oh, that's a great one. So I'm from the south-south of Nigeria and uh, in a tribe called Ibibio. And my wife is from the southwest, um, Yoruba. Now... So there, there, there's so much, the, the tradition is quite uh, amazing, you know, the dressing. So I dress in, in the, based on the custom of my people. My wife also dressed based on, the, on her own custom, and it's kind of colorful and beautiful. My wife's um, dad organized a big wedding, you know, and I've, I've invited so many people. So basically, for us, we were there to ensure that we uh, flowed with the whole tradition and had so much fun, you know. So, and and so that's the best we could do because it's it was really engaging, and and so we had fun basically. <laughs> what I've read on it is some tribal things. One side of the family wears picks a color, and they all come in that. And the other side picks another color and they all come in that and two or three days of parties, basically. And uh, there's much laughter and, as you say, fun. And it just sounded wonderful. And, right. Um, and, and now you have a few children. Right. And regarding colors, as you said, so we actually made a decision on the colors and communicated it with our parents and, and guardians and friends. And so we basically, the wedding reflected the colors that we chose. I see. And then what is the custom? Do you have a honeymoon? Sometimes I read it's for a week. Sometimes I couldn't find. <laughs> I don't know what, what the custom was. But I think it's interesting to find what's significant in another culture's wedding that you'd carry with you because you're going to carry that forward just like you carry turkey forward. Absolutely. 
And I think it all depends on the individual. Because um, for us, I must also uh, acknowledge that I also have uh, individuals in Turkey that are based in Atlanta. No, in Antalya, for, for the world of me, I always uh, mix Atlanta and Antalya as the same. So Antalya is on the south of, of Turkey, and I have people who regard me as their son, and they also organized a Turkish wedding for us. So after the Nigerian wedding, we were in, in Austria for a wedding as well, and then we were in Antalya, which is in the Asian part of Turkey, and uh, my Turkish parents uh, also organized uh, a celebration as well. So um, you can call it the honeymoon, but we, we also <laughs> did um, a celebration across different continents. So I would say our wedding took place in three continents. In, oh, I in love that. Europe, yeah. In Europe, in Africa, and in Asia. <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. And what and customs do you think? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and yes, we are blessed um, today with three uh, amazing princesses. And I noticed they they figure or your wife's desire. How did they get started so early? To do what? Uh, figure skating. Oh, figure skating. Okay, so I would be the uh, culprit on, on that aspect. <laughs> so when I was in Ankara, um, several years ago, I had some friends of mine who decided to take me to skating rinks, and I was like, okay, great. And I went in, I wore the shoes, I stood, and I felt so cool. I felt like I was transformed into a different world. All my worries were taken away, and ever since then, I fell in <laughs> love with figure skating. <laughs> oh, so dancing, good for you. Good for you. Right. That's really... And it's something you can do with your children. Absolutely. It's a delight that my four Does your wife come along? Or is yes, this daddy she, time? She does, she does come along. So it's, it's kind of a family activity now. Oh, I love that. Now, when yeah. you started to teach, what did you have to learn to be successful? Because I, I'm sure teaching in Turkey, teaching in Nigeria, teaching here, all a little bit different. Absolutely. Well, one of my philosophies in life is adapted from Nelson Mandela, and it says that education is the greatest tool which we can use to make the world a better place. And for me as a person, um, education has taken me across the world, you know, I, and, and the, the key challenge always is how do you communicate that which you have within yourself to people around you. So let's say you're having a one-to-one -one interaction with someone, you're doing, having a tutoring session, that, is, that, might be, that might seem easier because you're trying to trans communicate the content from your soul to the soul of the other person. Now, it's a different scenario when you have up to 25 students in a class or more. Now, how do you land your energy to everybody around? And for this, one of the practices I have adopted over time is the, is the concept of yoga. So I, I get myself in, a lot of involved in yoga practices because I, under, I understand that before I can be on stage, and even before this call, I had to exercise myself so that my body, my mind, and my spirit 
are all in harmony and ready for the performance. And when I can create an engaging performance, I really strongly experience that my students feel very comfortable and enjoy the whole process as well. How did you learn that, that the spirit needs to be involved? And how can you tell when the spirit is leading you and when it is not? So that you have to do yoga before class? Well, the key question is, who am I? Who are you? And this is a fundamental question I've asked myself since I was a child. And one easier answer that comes to me is that I am a spirit. Because, and since I am a spirit and my understanding is that Spirit is energy, and from physics we learned that energy is the ability to do work, then the spirit needs to be active. And for it to be active, it needs this physical body that we have been given, it's a gift in this physical environment for our activities. So for, this, for the spirit to glow well in activity, I need to also keep the physical body vibrant. I need to tune the physical body. And, I, and from childhood, I have come to learn that yoga is a practice that can be used to tune the physical body. Is there an amount of time that you have to do yoga? Will five minutes do, will 55 minutes do to balance and achieve that harmony for spirit? Well, it all depends. Now, the same way we would ask ourselves that how much food should we eat on a daily basis for we to for us to feel comfortable. I, I see doing yoga as eating, you know, just breathing, breathe in, breathe out is an act of yoga. Knowing how to breathe well is an act of yoga. You know, playing an instrument like a, a wind instrument, like a flute requires a lot of, um, um, breaths and working on, on your diaphragm to ensure you can control the air that passes through the lungs. So um, meditation is a form of yoga, just trying to keep your mind and free yourself from any worries around and trying to embrace positivity. It's all forms of yoga. So it all depends. Even if you wake up every if you can practice five minutes of meditation every single day, I think it's a good thing in order to calm the mind after all the hustles and bustles of daily life, we need to really find time to reset ourselves. And how did you discover this? I missed what you said at the very beginning. Well, the discovery is in life itself. <laughs> now, um, there is no, so take for example, when I was a child at seven, um, I re could recollect that my dad loved listening to classical music. And then um, we would um, go to a place where he sits down and um, crosses his legs and we just listen to classical music and just try to stay calm and imagine that, that we are in beautiful places and stay calm. So this was a kind of a weekly practice I had with my dad. And I remember that time he lost standing on his head so I learned how to stand on my head <laughs> even before I knew that it was yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's I actually did that then because, yeah, I did that then because as a child, I had this problem with uh, nasal issues, sinuses, and whenever I stand on my head, I felt more relieved. 
Oh, oh, what a wise parent. What, what did your parents uh, want you to value in life? What did they tell you what, what makes for a good life? Well, I think everybody, that's the key question that we all ask ourselves, whether we're parents or a child. I think the most important thing is that we should be who we should be to, to discover our purpose, to discover ourselves. So my parents never really um, limited me in what I need to do or not to do, but allowed me to have the opportunity to explore. And by the way, I'm an only child so of my mom. And so um, the, the, I, I didn't feel I had any sense of restriction, but I was given the opportunity to challenge myself. You know, I, uh, just of my friends, I found that only children, I, they, they listen better. I don't know, maybe they had more practice because their friends were the, the parents, right? And they weren't running around the house in, in the course of family life talking to a, another child in the family. Anyway, very interesting. I like the idea of spirituality in a, a, a classroom and how you connect with people. Does it allow you to connect with a group of 25 in the, in the classroom? Absolutely. And it's, it's really a journey as a challenge. You know, every semester comes with its new, it's with a different dynamics because you get the opportunity of meeting a new set of students who have who reason in different ways. And in education, I always follow a particular model which is called the UDL, uh, Universal Design for Learning, which embraces multiple means of representation, multiple means of presentation, and recognizing that everybody learns differently, every learner is unique. And as such, in my first week, even before the semester starts, I always try to do a needs analysis to really try to understand the, um, my learners so that I can actually prepare myself uh, even before um, I get to see them physically or virtually. Well, I am so impressed with you. <laughs> And thank you so very much for uh, being on the program today. And uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, or I've, I've, it's nice to know you're in the world. I do like that idea of a spiritual life and that your body has to be in good shape to support that. And uh, that you, it's a loving, what do I want to say? It's a loving, um, um, a loving, it's, it's, uh, it's beyond kind. Um, it's very generous of you to put yourself in that way and then try to connect with your students. And it's just like you said about the ice arena, it changes the energy in the room and it changes your relationship with the people there, Absolutely. I'm quite sure. And I have never heard it expressed before um, from uh, someone who was a teacher. Uh, although yes, in other areas, personally, I do meditate about 10 minutes a day then I do yoga for about 20 minutes a day with a girlfriend of mine. And I have found out, sometimes I hate doing yoga, but I know at the end of the time I am transformed. So uh, from an energetic staticness or from um, uh, just, uh, just being off and then I just am very spiritual. So everybody has to find their own way. And I'm a great admirer of yours that you can live in so many continents in so many cultures and to be comfortable. So thank you so much for appearing. And to the audience, please remember, do something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know, and I'll see you next week. Yes.
To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.